1: So I guess, well, I'll just start. This is the, uh, this is the fucking introduction to our very first, um, uh, our very first, uh, three-way, well, (laughs) (laughs) uh, podcast three-way. So welcome to as for alcoholic Uh, we go one letter at a time. Uh, this week's letter was K and we were going through a few different things and I thought that K would be good for keeping it in touch or keep it in touch, keep in touch. Keep in yeah. touch with yourself, Keep you know. In touch. So, yeah. yeah, sure. And our friend, um, our good friend Coda, um was nice enough to join us on the program today. And um, I don't know how far back to go. I think, I mean, you guys have known each other since high school. Yeah,
0: well, right after,
2: right after high right school. Right
0: after high school, yeah. Neither of us were in high school when we met. No. I should have been in high school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think Jerry had recently dropped out of high school. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: But, yeah. Um but yeah, so um Coda has has been an old friend of ours for a long long time. Um I've known Coda since ninety, nineteen ninety eight. 1998. These guys have known each other for Jesus, like, like 92,
0: 93.
2: Yeah, right around there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and uh so Coda, you you have uh, I just kind of wanted to get your a little bit of your history and, and your background and I mean obviously it's all shared. We we all shared a lot of fucking stories and nights and you you know um smuggling me away from a very bad situation with the police and you know different stuff like that. So there's Oh this... that,
2: are <laughs> you talking about the, the smash flash incident or
1: yes the, yeah. well yeah, oh, the, the yeah. cucumber yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got I got drunk and I fucking pulled my I Took my pants down in a place and I wasn't thinking and there were people there that were not interested in seeing that kind of stuff. And it was <laughs>
0: Is it where he does like the nice podcast version of I mashed my <laughs> dick
1: against a window in you know, a blackout? <laughs> Basically, and Coda yeah. was there. He's like, get in the back seat, fucking get down.
2: No, I mean as as I as I remember, we were we were just kind of milling around and we actually went to like a dance club that was like, you know, kind of like down the street a ways. And we had all gone in there, and then I came outside for some reason, and there was like three cops standing outside, and I overheard them looking for a person fitting your description, so I quickly went back into the club and and we dipped uh, out of there like uh, quick as possible. Cause I realized they were looking for you. <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> wow. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, I can't now, now that you say that I do have this vague memory of that.
2: It's all <laughs> so, coming back. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was, we were, I, I mean, yeah, that was one of those things. I mean, it was all, it, it seemed like it was all well and good and they're the kind of funny stories to tell, but if that had turned out differently, man, like that could have been a really bad, you know, thing.
1: Could have been disastrous for. Yeah,
2: you you might have ended up with like a you know some kind of uh, registry offense or something. <laughs> yeah, but <if> you <laughs> call it called a blue dot. You would have been a blue dot, dude.
1: Yeah, oh, man, I'm so you know it's just like I'm I'm just glad that I wasn't supposed to be a blue dot that day. Yeah, um, right. But so I guess what what I one of the biggest one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is to kind of share like your story and you okay. know your your relationship with alcohol and drugs and addiction and all that stuff, because you've been sober now, like what, two,
2: two two years. Yeah. Just over two years now. So my, my, my date was, uh, February 22nd is what I call the day that I got sober. February 21st is when I had a little kind of run in uh, 2018 that is. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, basically i mean i have a really long history as far as that stuff sort of goes you know it started back in you know high school more or less um I was actually thinking about this last night. I was thinking, you know, you probably want to get into that. And I was trying to sort of go over, you know, the decades or whatever. And, and it goes back that far. I mean, you know, I mean, when I met you, Jerry, we were just out of high school, but we were, you know, pretty fel- fair, well on our way. I mean, we, you know, we cracked 40s and smoked blunts like, you yeah. know, every day. And yes. that was like, that was yeah. part of the, that was part of the routine, you know, it was like, go up to Safeway, shove a couple 40s in our pants, walk out, you know, and then off we go and so it sort of goes back like that far really and that was sort of the genesis of it I would say that you know um then you know there was the the summer of 1998 was a good example like you know when I met you we were fairly well into it too I mean what the first night I met you John like oh, geez you guys had all dropped acid and like we drank <laughs> all night long like the you know we walked into your house or whatever Jerry was friends with you guys and we just proceeded to just get drunk and smoke and just party it up until the sun came up the next day i mean and then yeah summer, that was yeah you know and that whole summer kind of went like that really i mean it was <laughs> pretty hardcore and then i sort I of think- made the that you know i moved back to arizona that in the next year and that didn't end well i ended up you know getting into harder drugs and sort of the boredom and that lifestyle and so i mean I don't know. It just goes back a long way, man. It's, it's, it's always been, it's been sort of a constant, but then, you know, working in the service industry and the bar industry and stuff in my late 20s, all through my thirties and stuff, I really didn't, you know, kind of hit my, stride. I mean, I really hit my stride kind of the decade of my thirties. It was sort of prevalent, like everyday sort of thing for a good, you know, 10 years, really up until the point that, you know, two years ago when I was in mm-hmm. my daily routine and you know, had a little too much to drink on before I came home, which was a nightly daily thing. I got behind the wheel and I got into an accident on my way home. And so
1: Um,
2: uh, it was my fault. And, you know,
1: mm -hmm. so, so going back to like high school and stuff like that, and, and you, so I know that I know both of your, your guys's parents, right. And these are, these are kind, sweet, loving, like I have nothing. I've never had anything but a positive, you know, re- reaction and/or interaction with these people. And so I have always thought, like my alcoholism, and I think Jerry would agree with me, and I don't know if you would, Coda, that it's kind of inherent already, and that my childhood traumas just kind of exasperated something that already existed within me. Would you say the same of of yourself, or would you say it was something uh, that developed? I, mean, in-
2: I, I would say. Well, here's the thing, though, is you know, um, to a certain degree, I mean, it does sort of run in, in my family on both sides. And neither one of my parents have ever had problems that way. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't that it's not in their families as well. The other thing about it, I think is that, you know, that being said about my parents, yeah, they are the greatest people in the world. But here's the thing about that is that at that time, you know, during that time, they were both of my parents worked, you know, all the time. And so especially during my junior high and high school years, like, we didn't see a whole lot of each other other than over dinner and stuff. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that, there was just, it it wasn't so much that there was any kind of trauma. There was just a distance there, you know? I mean, my parents Mm. went their asses off. I mean, both me and my brother, you know, we went to Catholic school, and then my brother went on to college, you know, and I'm two years behind him. So financially, my parents just, they, they were sort of absentee a little bit, I would say, more than anything. It's not that they were, you know, neglectful or anything like that. It's just that there was, you know, there wasn't just a whole lot of time. They couldn't keep an eye on me, basically, is what it was. So yeah. I think that really kind of contributed to what, I mean, I was just sort of, not like I was on my own or anything, but I was left to my own devices, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that that definitely plays a role in it. I mean, when you're, you know, young people, and and, and you, the more supervision that you try to impose on them, the more that they'll try to rebel is the thing. And so, you, I mean, as a parent, I, I can't even begin to think where you would you know, have that line between, you know, making sure that they're all right, and trying to steer them in the right direction and letting them have their freedom to develop as a person and not, you know, not have them kind of rebel against you. It's, it's a really fine line and a hard thing to do. Well, probably one of the hardest things for a parent to try and do. So, um, so I don't know, man. I mean, like I said, it, de- it definitely played a role in, and how I developed and how I developed those habits and, got into that sort of thing but really it's a bed of my own making and and you know sure you know i don't you know i I can't i can't say that you know that one thing or another had anything more to do with it than the fact that i was just a bored asshole you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely and i've you know john and i've had this conversation before because like i can relate to you coda because my dad was never around he worked all the time and so he left well, he didn't, I don't want to put it on him because that's just the way they did it. But Leanne raised us all yeah. and we were all ape shit. There was four of us going fucking nuts. So she was just like, get out of the house. Right. So yeah, I was once again, like on my own in the desert, you know, running around and, and I, John and I've talked about this before, you know, and I always said, well, if, if it wasn't these circumstances as a kid, me being who I am, genetically what I am, I just would have found a reason to drink. It was just right. Tuesday.
2: Yeah. You know, like, <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Like my mom wasn't, There, my mom yelled a lot. Whatever it was, you know, like I'm awake. Let's get fucked up, you know, like, (laughs) you know.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's there. I I think that maybe there's there's lots of different research about how, you know, there's maybe some genetics and and sort of some and and even some sort of uh you know neurochemistry and biochemistry sort of things involved with it. uh, Personality type, maybe that has something to do with that. I don't know. I I think maybe it does to a certain extent. Not maybe. That's not the, you know, end all be all factor, but it certainly, I think it has to do with me. I mean, I've always been prone that way and, and, and a lot of human beings are, you know, I like stuff that makes me feel good. I like stuff that makes me feel good right now. It's just, you know, I mean, all of us are kind of hardwired to a certain degree with that factor, you know? And so it's just a matter of how, how, you know, how willing you are to jump right in with both feet. And I've always, you know, just one of those people, I've always been willing to go for it, you know, I mean, and that's part of it. But, you know, that being said, there's there's lots of different things. But really, I, I think what it comes down to is just, a, you know, there's lots of different things to factor in. But but in the end, it's it's always just, you know, it's what you choose to do. And 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 I chose to go that way for a long, a long time. Um, yeah. So, but we, but I um, mean, you know, it is what it is, I, you know.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I think Absolutely. we all I think that was a, that's a common thread. And you say stuff like. I just want to feel good right now. And I want to jump in with both feet. And I think that every single one of us, it was like, Oh, here's somebody else who doesn't think I'm fucking crazy. And in fact, might be crazier than I am. I should go yeah. hang out with them. You know right. what I mean? And so like, and somebody who will not only encourage my crazy behavior, but somebody who will, um,
2: co-sign it, who dude. won't
1: will co-sign on it. Right.
2: Like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know, man, there was, there's, I don't. I don't know that that was it between us, as far as being friends and stuff goes. I, I think it goes much further than that. Like, it, like with Jerry and with you, John, it was, you know, we we were we were gonna be friends right away, no matter what. I mean, I, I just feel like that. Like the first that first night I was talking about when we hung out, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we didn't hung hang out like after that for you know maybe a day or so. Like we we were just always you know it. And yeah. some people are like that, you know, some people yeah. and especially at that time in your life when you find somebody who's like you said willing to sign on to the crazy and endorse it and all that. But like some people are just meant to be friends, you know, some people just immediately click like that, dude. And, you know, I mean, uh, and and we did, you know, and, and that's I, I've always felt sort of blessed that way, regardless mm-hmm. of the fact that some of those times were stupid, crazy and really yeah. like, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't regret any of that shit, guys. Like, I really don't. I can't say that I do. I mean, I. I mean, I, I can I can say that, you know, some of the things that some of those decisions that that I've made along the way have affected my life in a negative way. But shit, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't trade any of those times. Dude. I just no,
0: <laughs> I agree with you 100 percent. I'd even say the only things I don't even regret. It's more like I cringe at things like when I hurt someone's feelings or when I was mean to someone or I took some. You know what I mean? Like when I did something mean to like one of you guys. But yeah, other well, than that, all that other shit is just learning, you know, yeah. just having to get to this point.
2: And so, and, yeah, it was some of it was really fun. You can't deny that.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I would not No, And you've you've brought this point up too, Coda, because I remember talking to you after we started this podcast and it was one of the earlier episodes and you, you said to me on the phone, you were like, I got to push back here because it, I can't remember if it was me or Jerry or who somebody said something to the effect of like, oh, well, so much bad shit. And, he's, and you were like. There was a lot of fun stuff there. And yeah. and so, I mean, I, I don't want to—I mean, if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't have done it. If we didn't think of—when <clears throat> when I'm 21 years old, I'm not really thinking of the consequences of my health or relationships and stuff like that. and And so I don't—I wouldn't say that I necessarily regret it because it got me here, but there certainly were actions that were— that could have been that that were detrimental to my development as a human being. Sure. So no no question about that. So a little bit uh, it's a little bit of both. So I agree with you that I don't wanna I don't want to sit in regret or just to admonish the entire the entirety of my past. Right. Yeah. But but and again, I and it doesn't make any it doesn't make any difference, right? We can't sit here and go, oh, if only I had done this, right. then that would have been right. better. And I
2: that's have no that's the I crux did. of it, really. And and like you said too, that's you know one of the reasons. Uh, I mean, we we're here now because of all of those things. And so, I, I guess my point is, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade me now, you know, for for someone that could have been or should have been or would have been had I Word. done something yeah. else. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I I just I can't think that way. And I, and I, and I don't want to, like I, I, you know, um, and, and it's not that I don't, uh, really, really like the fact that I am not drinking anymore. The fact that I have gained a certain, this, this time of sobriety, it's been, I mean, it's probably been one of the best things to, to happen in my life. And at this time in my life, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I was ever ready for it before is the thing, you know, um, because it's one of those things, you know, we've talked about this before, too, is that you, you can't you can't really do it for someone else, and you can't do it because, you know, you think your future may turn out – well, I mean, you, you can do it because you think you want a better future for yourself, but you have to do it for you, and you have to do it because you want to do it, you know? I mean, Maricopa County, the justice system did have something to do with my decision <laughs> that right now. But in the end, at the end of the day, like I could have gone back to doing what I was doing before when I sure. and all of my legal problems were, you know, cleared up. And I did do that. I had a DUI in two thousand ten when I lived in Seattle and I got through that. I stopped drinking for like six months and because I had to do that therapy thing where they would randomly, you know, pee test me. And so, and I failed a couple of those, which cost me money and time. So yeah. eventually I did give it up, but I mean, I don't know if you remember, but like when I finished that program, the day that I got out, I got on the bus to go home and I got off the bus in front of the Viking bar and I went straight into the Viking bar and got shit canned yeah. that day. Like, so it's like, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, take that six months of sobriety that I had then and run with it, I immediately went back to doing what I was doing before that, you know, once the legal consequences were, you know, pretty much over with, I immediately went back to doing it and it landed me right back in the same position, you know, 10, well, eight years later. So, Uh, but like I said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it then, you know, and I didn't want Mm it. I didn't want it. So, you know, I mean, it, it really, I don't know. You know, it's, it's something that you got to want. You got to want for yourself and you got to go for it. But, but when you do, it's great. Like <laughs> anybody out there listening, just you know, <laughs> take my, take my word for it. Like all of the fun and all the great stuff and all of that. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it's really, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the work to, to try and change it if you want to. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Absolutely.
0: And I'd say the hardest parts for me, because I, I know in the past, I'm and I'm really prone to being hyperbolic, like I'll totally exaggerate shit because that's just my personality at times. And I know in the past in this podcast, I've said, oh, well, it was hell. And it wasn't all hell. And honestly, just to, just to kind of get into detail, it was more hell when I was alone. Do you know what I mean? Like when I was with you guys, we were in the social aspect. We were hot. We were like running on each other, laughing and shit. Those are always so positive. That made me who I am. But when I was alone and everybody was gone and I was still fucking drinking and just all alone in that house, just smoking all by myself, I was – that shit was hard. Like yeah. that was – those were the times that propelled me to want to get to where I'm at, you know. And it started affecting my wife and kid and family and shit. Then I was like, "Well, damn, you know, this is not manageable anymore." But yeah, but all the stuff that we shared together as a group, I would say like eighty percent of it was dope. There was that twenty percent where like John's <laughs> mashing his shit against the window, or, or you know, <laughs> I'm, like is, somebody's trying somebody's to ruin
2: dinner. dinner or something. I mean, there, there were yeah, some,
0: someone's some ruined, ruined dinner moments,
2: you know, and like where yeah. somebody ends up crying or you know, like yeah. I said, somebody you know ruins dinner or somebody you know <laughs> breaks a wine bottle and stains the carpet or stains the couch <laughs> or something and It sucks and yeah i mean there's there's lots of those moments the, actually there was a lot of those you know you just don't remember those you know when you're mm-hmm. in the thing yeah you know mm-hmm. the time has this weird way of of glossing over some of the hard stuff and and really you know i i don't know whether that's your mind forming scabs on things that are hurtful and hard to deal with or Um, but, but it's just, you know, the good times are the ones that sort of stand out after time is weird like that. But
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, I would only say that I value the conversations that we all have, whether on air or not much more sometimes than the conversations, you know, we've had in the past in that they, they're, they're more positive and uplifting because there was always this vibe and Jerry and I've talked about this of like, we got to toughen each other up because you never know when someone's yeah. fucking going to come for you. Right. So you got to be tough. So if I'm mean to you, if I treat you like <clears throat> shit, it's because somebody's going to come and treat you shittier. And it, 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 I feel like that maybe that, that kind of stuff wouldn't work anymore. I would not be interested in that kind of, you know, no. interaction from. No,
2: friends. it's, well, it's, it, that's, that's just growing up to finally, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we were we were total shitbags to each other. A lot of <laughs> yeah, people. like I mean, me and Jerry going back as far as we do, like, God, we were we were dude when we were young back in those APT days, Jerry. We were horrible to each other. We were like, really oh, mean
0: to each
2: other. Oh my God, <laughs> you know. And I was thinking about that too. I, I you know, just recently I went down to Tucson and Gary got married again, and and uh, you know I ran. Of course, Nate was there and everything. Yeah. And, and uh, and I was just kind of you know, and Josh was there, me and Josh. But but our interactions were different too. Like I mean, we and and still there's a little bit of that sort of meanness that goes on, or sort of that joking sort of thing. But mm-hmm. but even those guys are a lot sweeter towards each other these days too, man. It's just like after a while, that that's 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 just kind of you know, that's yeah. kid kid machismo kind of stuff too, John. Right. Mm-hmm. We all sort of grow out of that eventually, you know, kind of shit. But I
0: feel so- like coda and i brought it a little bit too <laughs> into the group from tucson you know being graph writers yeah. and then we brought it in and we're like toughen up johnny come on you gotta make your nuts sandy come and on I, yeah, I sand. I, we, I we,
2: we did we did we we rode the shit out of all you anybody yeah. that was from any place but arizona we we kind of took it out on a little bit Apologies. i
1: think i had a no it's fine now but i just remember one time going having a fight with jerry all drunk and i was like Listen, dude, this is not fucking Arizona, and APT is not here. So shut the fuck up. And APT <laughs> was like the graffiti writing crew. I was like, I'm so sick of hearing about it. Like, it doesn't fucking exist anymore. Get yeah, over it.
2: Like,
0: John, John, just got us together to air out his resentments, dude. This is yeah, oh no man, man. That's. He's, he-
1: <laughs>
2: and 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 he's any he, and he's perfectly uh, he's perfectly welcome to you, Jerry. Oh no, yeah, he's absolutely <laughs> he absolutely is yeah,
1: so so one of the things I want to talk about, and I don't want to spend, I mean, I we could talk for hours about the drunkologues. I mean, we've got twenty years to to go over more than twenty years, Jesus. but um so Jerry and I rarely, if ever, I had that I had one car for a while there, but I sold it as soon as i I couldn't get it to work. and Jerry never drove, but you had a car. and so you drove. A lot, yeah. both intoxicated and otherwise. And you, like that was just right. I mean, that was that was par for the course. Yeah, a absolutely,
2: absolutely. Like I said, even after that first one in in two thousand ten, and 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 when I had that DUI in Seattle in two thousand ten, I got rid of my car like pretty much first thing. And so I didn't get a car until I moved back here to Arizona in in two thousand twelve because I didn't really need one. You don't really need one in Seattle. Um, but I did get one as soon as I moved back to Arizona. And I was really good about not driving, you know, wh- after drinking for about, I don't know, man, I'd say about a year or two. And then it just, I fell right back into it. Like driving drunk, especially, I mean, my, the bar, of course, is the same. You'll hear the same story from everybody that ever gets behind the wheel of a car when they're drinking. And that is the bar was only about a mile and a half away from my house. Yeah. So I would get off work and I would go to the bar. And all I had to do was make it that mile and a half home and I was good and I did that every day like I did that drunk mile and a half every day so so it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal you know I mean to me it was just you know and that's that's the that's the fallacy of that thinking though is that you know I mean it only it only takes one time to make a mistake and it's just such a dumb thing to do like nobody was seriously hurt in the crash that I had and, and uh, I'm really lucky about that too cuz it was pretty gnarly like
1: <laughs> so can you really? can you go over that that day
2: yeah, Google sure. You know, just like any other man did. I was it was, you know, springtime. I was the thing that was different about there was two things that were different about that day. And that was um, number one, I was sort of broke. I was really I was sort of down to my last couple of bucks. Um, so, I was at the bar after work. I'm, I'm a painter, and so, uh, you know, trades guys are notorious also for, you know, hitting the bar after work. So, it was just kind of part of my whole thing was just, you know, sit with the boys and, you know, have a few after work or whatever. But I was down to my last couple bucks. And so I was sitting there, I was feeling kind of sorry for myself or whatever. But then I had this pressure washer that this guy wanted to buy from me. And so I remember sitting there at the bar and I was like, you know, I didn't I hadn't even had like, you know, my usual compliment of of uh, drinks or whatever. And this guy comes up, this guy, Butch, and he was like, hey, man, I want to buy that pressure washer from you. Here's a 100 bucks. I'll give you a 100 bucks for it. And I had paid like 50 bucks for the thing or something. So I was just like score right you know <laughs> like dude the yeah. worst thing that you can do you know anybody especially if they're kind of depressed a little bit down on their luck is like wait till they get about half cocked and then give them a hundred bucks while they're sitting <laughs> in the bar <bottle>. yeah yeah <laughs> that was just like okay so that was the only two things that were different about <clears throat> that day man it was another day just like any other it was like a wednesday or a tuesday or a wednesday or something and then so you know that hundred bucks just and, and i and i sat there for a longer than i usually do um, I was usually I get off work a little bit earlier. So, you know, I'm usually home by before sundown, you know, and because I had that extra hundred bucks, I sat there for another I, I don't know how long, maybe an hour, hour and a half. But the sun had gone down and, you know, it was dinner time, and I was about an hour and a half or two hours getting out of there later than I usually do. And and I was, you know, as you can imagine, with that extra hundred bucks, it propelled me down the road a little bit. Faster, shall we say? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was driving way too fast, and and honestly, I don't really remember too much about the actual. Um, in my mind, I thought I saw something in the road, and so I jerked the wheel of my car. And so what ended up happening is that it, I it sent me into kind of an overcorrect steering situation, and I was going far too fast. So my tail swung, you know, swung around, and I started fishtailing, and then reflexes being kind of slow i overcorrected again and so i went fishtail fishtail to the other side and then over into an un- income like oncoming traffic at a 90 degree or perpendicular so my oh, car shit. was moving sideways into oncoming traffic and i didn't i didn't get t-boned but i ended up t-boning another guy like pretty hard right there you know in, in on in the uh oncoming lanes and so it was a fairly gnarly accident um i totaled his truck pretty good my car was put. i mean the, the whole front end of my car was pretty much destroyed although the airbags didn't go off um jesus and, you know i i don't know it was it was it was sort of strange but you know after that like i remember everything after that really well like it is one of those things where like you know when you're at the adrenaline dump or whatever the gravity of the situation makes you really sober really fast no matter how drunk you are so i remember you know the people the witnesses the cops showing up the tow truck the everything the breathalyzer Going in cuffs, going down, you know, being transported to the police station and all that, doing the the breathalyzer test. Uh, it's funny. I had a marijuana brownie that my boss had given me in my pocket. Oh, at the station. oh well. The funniest thing. Let me tell this real quick. I'll I'll make this mm-hmm. quick. So sure. this rookie cop that transported me down to the station—he was a real young guy, probably 22—and we go into this underground parking garage, and he starts backing into a parking space, and he's kind of moving sort of fast. I could tell he was sort of agitated or whatever. A young guy, he's raring to go or whatever, and he slams his police car into this pillar trying to back into this space. Oh. And so, and he, like, he hit it pretty hard, man, because he fucked up the back of the cop car. Like, <laughs> and so after they breathalyzed me and stuff, they empty my pockets but before that happened this commander guy comes in and he was like uh, you know I gotta ask you these questions because you know the officer was basically in an accident he's like are you okay do you have any pain or do you feel like you've been injured or anything and he was kind of looking at me funny and I could tell it was sort of a serious question he didn't know which way I was going to go with it you know he he didn't know if I was going to start you know holding my neck and calling a lawyer or whatever and I was just like no whatever man it's totally fine like I don't think your cop cars okay and you may want to check on your rookie over there cuz he's probably going to get, you know, shit for the rest of his career from the rest of the guys but then so basically long story short I was really cool about it and so from then on the cops were nothing but like super sweet to me like the guy when they were searching me they found this the guy found the marijuana brownie and he looked at it and he asked me what it was and he smelled it and he looked at me funny and then he crumpled it up in his hand and threw it away in the garbage disposal, in the, in the wastebasket that was standing right there. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew what it was. Like, there's no way he didn't smell what it was. And he and and, and the look on my face, because I had forgotten it was there, and the look on my face when he asked me what it was and pulled it out of my pocket must have told the tale. But anyway, so, like, those guys, like, it, because I didn't say anything and didn't make a big deal about this, <laughs> this accident that I was in, after I was in my accident, like they took it easy on me. They let me go 15 minutes after that. They let me walk out of that police station like that night. So
1: you, you, so you, you drunkenly T-boned another car and you went to the, they booked you and then they let you go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't, I mean, they didn't even book me. They didn't, they never put me in a holding cell after I took my breath test. They asked me a few questions or whatever, and they didn't even fingerprint me or take my picture that night. They just, they just, booted me out of there they they gave me a little thing to come back before actually i didn't even have to go in and do the fingerprint <clears> and the mugshot <throat> thing until after my court date jesus so they, yeah they just okay. it, my mom called them or my mom knew that i would been in an accident so my mom came and picked me up and as soon as she got there they pff, later dude um spend a minute in the holding cell until after you know
1: And the other guy was fine. The other. Well, I
2: mean, I I think they had some minor injuries. I, you know, I did get it a thing from my insurance company that, that, you know, they were asking for their medical bills to be paid and whatnot. Um, They both received Mm -hmm. some minor treatment for, you know, bump on the knee. And I think his wife said that she messed up her back. But from what I understand, like they're, they're kind of, I mean, um, they, they were both sort of living off um, uh, government assistance and. Mm-hmm. they're sort of uh i am not i'm not sure how to describe them other than the fact that that they're they were sort of just kind of skating by anyway and the, the fact that they that i hit them probably improved their lives by a lot just <laughs> i hate to say it that Jesus. way uh-huh. it's not how i mean it man like i i'm you know but like the circumstances everything being equal and everything the money that they got for their injuries from the accident probably set them up for another good long while the way that they were living so
1: what was the Fall out eventually, because because it wasn't shortly thereafter that you had called me and I think you had called Jerry and yeah. and going back just a little bit, like what was your perspective on the fact that Jerry's Jerry gets sober in 2014 and I get sober in 2015 and you and I had been in contact pr- after that. Like, yeah. did you have any sort of like what were your thoughts on like, oh, my friends are out of the game or. Oh, no.
2: no, I mean, I was just kind of to tell you the truth, guys. I mean, I was just kind of going about my business like I kind of knew, um, you know, in the back of my mind, it was one of those things that I kind of ignored a little bit. I mean, we hadn't been in really close touch for a a number, you know, a couple of years at that point. And Jerry, like I don't I don't think I did, you and I had contacted one another before I gave you that phone call in probably two years. Yeah, it'd been about so, two years, yeah. And it was one of those things where like I knew about it kind of secondhand. Um I knew that you had gotten sober and John, I knew that you were, but um like I was I was really scared and, and I knew that something had to change. And I knew that, you know, the process that I was gonna go through was gonna be like, you know, you, you have to stop drinking anyway. But at that point, what I was going through in my mind was like this isn't going to work anymore when, you know, there was a scene when my parents picked me up at the police station and, and the conversation in the car on the way home that ensued was kind of like, all right, this is, this is the moment where you decide, you know, what you're going to do going forward here. Mm -hmm. Like either something is going to change or, you know, or, or it's not. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't really want to get into too much specifics about how that conversation went. It's, It's, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like anything super raw or anything, but it was just, it was a turning point. So for me, it was, it was okay, I need to make a decision here, and and, and I want to stop drinking. I need to stop drinking. I, I want to save the relationship with my parents and my family, and and I want to live through this. Because at that point, it was kind of like, well, do I really want to go on here? Because that was the question I was asking myself was, do I want to go through this, or do I want to just kind of take a powder now sort of thing? So
1: mm-hmm
2: you know? Um, and so So you, uh, you
1: you had contemplated suicide seriously.
2: Yeah, sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. I I would say absolutely. At that moment, the way that I felt in that moment, you know, thinking about what I had done, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't really dawn on you that you might've killed somebody until you almost killed somebody, you know, and then think about the reason why you almost killed somebody and how stupid and selfish and, and just all of those things kind of, it's one of those moments where all of the n- denial that you ever had in your life about about your substance use and your alcoholism or your abuse, is just that veil is just that veil of denial is ripped away in a moment. You know, in that in that one second that it takes you to lose control of the car, and then you impact, is just like all of the denial denial is ripped away, and it and it can never come back. You know, you you can't you can't ever you can't ever see things the same, quite the same way again, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. like I said, that was part of the decision-making, but, but in in that, in that moment, the way that I felt there, uh, it it was definitely a moment that I'd contemplated like an easier way out, shall we say? Um, So, yeah. And, and that's, like I said, I mean, I was, I was pretty panicked. I was pretty scared. And so, and so I called you guys and I called Jerry first, you know, I was like, well, who knows something about this sobriety deal? And then it, then it, (laughs) <laughs> then it, you know, it uh-huh. kicked into my brain like, Oh yeah, Jerry's sober now. Like I I'll I think I'll maybe I'll give him a call first. And then of course, you know, Jerry said what he had to say to me, which was I mean, that conversation didn't last more than probably three minutes, but
0: No, sure.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I immediately felt better. And so, you know, I mean you had mentioned John too in that conversation. So of course, you know, immediately I called you shortly after that. In fact, the very next phone call I made was to you john and which basically you said the exact same thing as jerry
1: <laughs> which was
0: <laughs> <laughs> which was yeah, like I,
2: just go to a meeting dude like you
0: know? <laughs> i was gonna say it probably took him a lot longer to say it though <laughs>
2: <laughs> not not really jerry you'd be surprised man he was just like just go to a meeting go, ch- yeah. go check it out and like you know this is how i did it was basically i mean both of you said the same thing it was just like well that sucks kid. Uh, yeah, you're in a spot.
0: Uh, here's
2: what you want to do. First of all, you want to go ahead and, uh, go to a meeting. And, uh, then John was the only thing John had to add was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to send you a copy of this thing called the big book, which yeah, you know, arrived in the mail, you know, a couple of days later, but you know, um, so yeah, that was, that was it. And I mean, that was sort of, and like I said, I, I, I was, I don't know if either one of you like, you probably remember the conversation actually better than I do, but I was really panicked. Like I was sketching. Yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know, remember I, really clearly actually. Really it, clearly. It, it, Yeah. It
0: wasn't,
2: it wasn't just the, you know, the, the legal consequences that were, that had me so panicked, I think is um, really, I mean, I was having sort of an existential crisis at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, Just to know that somebody had sort of been through that before, just like I said, even three minutes on the phone with with the two of you, both of the conversations were fairly short. But like that 15 minutes probably did keep me from, you know, walking around the corner and blowing my brains out. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Well... uh...
1: What was? I'm I'm happy to take phone call anytime. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, no. It was it was a trip, dude. And I could hear the panic in your voice. Like I really did. And I was like, oh shit, because we always used to joke, because because Cody's the oldest. He always has been the oldest of everybody. And it was he would always like we'd have some problem with a girl or have some issue or have something need some advice, and he'd be like, John, let me give you some of the. Uncle Coda Sage like advice right now, <laughs> you know, and he and so it was it was kind of like like I heard it in your voice and I was like, he's really fucking scared. I don't think I've ever heard him like really scared before, you know, and it's like, OK, we'll take it easy. And, and you know, I mean, go to a meeting, I guess, because I didn't that was the only thing that helped me. And now you did that right for a little while.
2: Yeah. The first six months. Yeah. Um, hmm? Yeah first six months i i went pretty steady um uh, but then I, yeah six months the first six months
1: yeah um but you found and again like it's it's not for everyone it doesn't work for everyone and then not everyone's gonna gonna jump to it um you how would you like describe that transition from that six months and going yeah this was really good and very helpful and something you know i'm glad is there to like well, I kind of just do my own thing, or
2: yeah, I I don't know, man. There was there was sort of a process that went on there. By the by the time I hit my six month mark, uh, I mean, here's how I'll describe it, just to keep it kind of short, and that is, you know, I mean, I. As you guys both know, like I went to Catholic school all the way through kindergarten through high school. And so um, like any anything that has to do with with organized religion or institutional institutionalized religion or any kind of ties to it, I'm immediately sort of it does set off a bias in me. I, I'm not gonna lie about that. Like it, it definitely sends up a red flag with me. But here's how I feel about um, how I started to feel about AA is the same way that I feel about church and religion. And that is there's some really, really great things about it. The core principles of, you know, Christianity and and most most of the world's religions are really they're at their base, at their core. They're really excellent. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love thy neighbor, you know, things like that. Basically, don't kill people, don't steal. Be, be kind and be loving towards other human beings and be, you know, have compassion and not hate. And those those are, you know, as a basic principle, it's awesome and it works and it works great for a lot of people and, the, and it does a lot of good in the world. Institutionalized religion it's, itself as, a, as an organization, as a, as a, you know, this force in the world is one of the most evil things that has been perpetrated upon the human race, in my opinion. I don't feel that quite the same way about AA. Like I don't feel that AA is evil as it in itself. I feel like it's core thing is really great and it's helpful and it helped me and it helps millions and it's helped millions of people. And the basic tenets of it are something that are great, but, but like church, I don't need to go every week, you know, and I, and I don't be for certain reasons. Like there's, there's lots of things about it that I think are great, but there's lots of things about it that I, that I just, that just aren't for me. Um, um, and there's, there's reasons why. And one of them has to do with, like I said, the religious connection that I'm always going to be skeptical and sort of standoffish towards. Um, and, and uh, the, the other thing is just, there's, there's a, a, a thing about religion and about AA, I think that is not beneficial. And that is that some people use it as a crutch, some people mm-hmm. use it as sort of a substitute for their drinking or for whatever um, thing that I mean, they really and, and I see it, and I saw it, and it sort of made it sort of creeped me out, guys. Like I'm not gonna lie, there are certain That's, people, yeah, that, that like it becomes it becomes their world, you know, it becomes their community, and they 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 really they go in and they go all in on it, and it, and they go all into the point where it's like, I, I I felt I felt like there was a certain you know section, cross section of the AA community that really is using it as a crutch, and and. And the in the same way that people use organized religion as a crutch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a good thing, you know? Um, so like I said, the basic principles of AA, I, I com- completely agree with. And, and the 12 steps I got no problem with at all. You know, um, it's just the the organization as a whole doesn't work for me. Right. And also I feel sort of awkward and, and big, and some of the meetings that I went to are big meetings here in Phoenix. You know, we have, and so there's a lot of, I don't know, it, it seemed very clickish and high schooly to oh, me yeah. in, in yeah. some ways, yeah. which did not jibe well with me at all. And, and, and being that, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that connects r- really easily with people on a deeper level. Like, I'm really good at being a server, and, and, and like you guys are about, you know, John, especially you, like, you're really good at, at you know, interacting with just strangers. Um, I, I have a tougher time with it, but but just connecting and making really solid friends is something that doesn't happen with me very often, you know, and it, as I gotten older, it's even less more so. So um, it, it's, it's hard for me. It, it, like in a social situation, it, I always felt sort of awkward in those bigger groups. Um, and so, like I said, there's a lot of different reasons why I stopped going to the meetings, but um, yeah, but so, I made it work for me. You know, the, like I said, the principles of AA are, are sort of my base, but, but I, I feel, I, I feel like it, it wasn't really you know and and I felt like I wasn't really contributing anything back you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying and 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 that was sort of one of the pillars of the AA thing that I do agree with and and I didn't really feel like my input was going to be <laughs> constructive shall we say like I you know I mean if I wasn't going to be completely positive and all in I felt like I really didn't have any business being there so uh,
1: well I I want to push back on one one thing and I'm not promoting okay. The uh, I'm not I'm not here to promote any program you know for anybody at all and certainly not AA. But when you say people use it as a crutch, I would I would say a couple of things. One, I would much rather people be using that, even if it does seem a little bit overzealous and crazy, than using alcohol or drugs. Um, and I know you would agree with me on that. I, but
2: I do, I, I do.
1: And also, I think that it can be valuable in a way any sort of program of, of recovery, any sort of program of living as a transition, right? So you found something that you could work with and then transition into creating whatever works for you. Right. 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 So, yeah, the way that's... that it was described to me is like those those core tenets, just the core tenets, not the people who are running the meetings in Phoenix, not the people who are running the meetings in, you know, in Oregon or California or anywhere. But just the things that were written down a long time ago, um, they just make sense as a way of living that's better than what what I was doing before.
2: Definitely. You know? Yeah. And so I think sort
1: of, that yeah. that transitional, being able to have that and and learn that, and I when I think back to like the way that we were living, I don't want to say the way we were living, but the things that were acceptable to us as a way of living, you know, like you remember coming over to my house and I'm just like, yeah, we don't do the dishes anymore. We just put a fucking curtain up and assignments <laughs> at own risk. That is a true story. We just stopped doing fucking dishes. My roommate was eating his cereal out of Ziploc bags, I
2: remember. like. That was gross.
0: Dude, I went to his house in Sonoma and he had half of a couch in one room and the other half in the other room. Like that modular couch you guys had. I think I
2: remember that, yeah.
1: So I would only say that um, and that I can appreciate where you're coming from, especially as somebody who, you know, and I think that that was one of the things that you told me about your conversation. Jerry just said, don't worry about the God thing. Don't worry about the God thing. Yeah. You were like, like yo dude they've been shoving god down my throat for right
0: that's really funny because that's one of my fucking stories i tell to people i like because i meet a lot of aa people and i i've i've kind of wavered between both of your philosophies on aa you know but whenever i meet other people in the program like yeah my one of my closest friends one of my best friends he got sober and i was like he was just getting sober and I was like, don't be scared of the God shit, man. They're going to talk about God a lot. Don't let it freak you out. And you're just like, dude, I went to Catholic school from fucking kindergarten to fucking, I graduated from high school. Like, that's old hat, Wagner. Yeah. No, and, and it was. <laughs> because I was being like too. kid gloves with you because I like, didn't want to scare you away from it. Because I was no, like, no, if
2: you get it in your brain, that. it might help, you know? I, you know what? And, and, I, and I don't, um, you know. After, like I said, after about three or four meetings, I was like, what, what was Jerry talking about? They got God shit all over this thing, man. Like, yeah. you know, and I was like, well, you know, he lied to you, but he lied to you for a good reason. So, and and I didn't, you know, and I knew I that's like, what it was. like, don't let here. it freak
0: you but, out, dude. I just didn't want to freak you out. I didn't no, want you to run for the hills. Walking no, and be like, fuck this, I'm out, you know.
2: No, uh, no, and that's, and, and I didn't at first because I realized, you know. Really what it was all about was you know and like you said John it, it's 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 a set of tools for somebody that ha- knows absolutely nothing most people that walk into aA absolutely know nothing about what it's like to live you know clean and sober and so it really is just a basic outline and and it's really helpful don't get me wrong like I said that first six months it was the most helpful thing um, it yeah. really was it was it was key um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'd be where I'm at. You know, today and where I'm at, like in life and in sobriety, if it weren't for those first six months, because I really didn't, you know, know anything about it. And and I think the other thing that I really liked about it um, is the accessibleness of it, and that is, you know, especially in a community like Phoenix, where there's there's a meeting every hour of every day, like yeah. in any part of town, and and it doesn't cost anything, you know, and there's a fair amount of people out there that especially uh, who are addicted who have very limited resources and so th- that that turn of the coin is like i said I, I feel really there's a lot of positive things about it just in my own thing and sometimes I, I i feel like i'm sort of justifying it to you guys like yeah i'm cool i don't go to meetings or whatever you know? <laughs> and, I, and i feel like they're you're probably sitting there and i feel like some people are you know hardcore AA people are always sitting back going yep it's another one it's another white one <laughs> I'm yeah. Dry drunk over here. Not yeah. going. Yeah. Oh. Like judging me and like, eh, it's not like that. Like, it's, you know, dude, that's
0: really- so funny you say it though because I say this to John all the time. I'm like, I'm like, John's like, I'm not judging you, Jerry. Cause will be like, you go to, like, before we start the podcast, you'd be like, did you go to a meeting? And I'm like, dude, I haven't been to a meeting in like two weeks. And then he'll just kind of, okay. And I'm like, dude, I, <laughs> but I'll be going soon. I promise. And he's like, I'm not judging you,
2: Jerry. I don't care.
0: I quit my daily meeting, Jerry. I'm not judging you. (laughs) I brought donuts today. I brought donuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man
1: me i'm but skinny then, now i can't uh, bring donuts i bring a bag of oranges little right. cuties now <laughs> you know,
0: I'm making a lean over and be like you need to go to a meeting dude like you're being a fucking asshole right now sure. I, I really go just to be around the other drunks honestly just to hear someone else from my perspective because i'm out in the world around normal people who are just doing normal people shit so for me to be around recovering alcohol that's the most important thing, is to be around people who know what I know, you know, I make the jokes at work around normal people and they think I'm fucking crazy. They're like, not everybody drinks like an alcoholic, dude. I'm like, oh, you're right. I forgot. Like some of y'all just drink a half a glass of wine and it shows. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) No. And and and, uh, yeah, man, there's, they're, they're so amazing. Those people, you know, I used to be amazed by people who could drink all night, but now, now I'm just, I'm totally floored by like my parents who can, you know, have a half a glass of wine and not finish it. I'm just like, man, doesn't make any sense you you are amazing yeah Yeah. or you are me and megan yeah
1: i could i don't want to gloss over this because i mean there were you were very fortunate in the consequences of the accident that you were in Mm -hmm. you but there were consequences um and you can you just like explain a little bit of like the legal part of what happened and what you had to go through
2: sure man i
1: mean it's,
2: it's fairly similar just about everywhere in the country really i think nowadays um that is you know you Uh, Basically, I kind of got lucky in the timing of mine, too, because my first DUI in in Washington State was in 2010. This one was in 2018. If it had been a year earlier, see, they give you a seven-year grace period in Arizona. Mm. If you have two DUIs or multiple DUIs or one uh, one coinciding with the other within seven years is considered your second one. And on your second one here in Arizona, you do mandatory jail time, which is not the weekend kind of thing or the the work release like I did for mine. Although they did take that into consideration. So basically, the penalties are you know they vary depending on if you get a lawyer and stuff. But I mean, the long story short is um, it was cost me, and it's still costing me um, because I have a breathalyzer thing in my car, which I have to have you know for 18 months. Um, And I didn't get a car for, you know, I didn't get a car until six months ago because mine was totaled. It took me, you know, that long to save up for the car and stuff. So I, from that point on, I have to have the the breathalyzer for 18 months. It's a right. It was about ten thousand dollars. You know, that's a good ballpark figure. It's going to end up probably being more than that. You know, once it's all said and done with the increase in my insurance rates, and uh, the month some of the monthly fees that i have to pay for the breathalyzer for instance and then you know there's 2500 dollars i paid a lawyer and and uh, the, but you know all told it's it's you know ballpark figure it was around 10 grand i did a weekend in the maricopa county jail followed by a week of of uh, work release which was i got released in the morning at 6 a.m. and then i had to return to jail by 10 that night to sleep it's usually 12 hour shifts you know so if i had to g- <clears throat> Usually it's, you know, you go out at six, you go back in at six, but somebody at the jail, I don't know how, I I think once again, it might've been the Glendale police officers looking out for me. I'm not sure about this, but when I, when they did my work release thing, they let me out at six in the morning and somebody made a paperwork error that said I didn't have to be back until 10 that night. So all I had to do for that whole week was, you know, just basically go to jail and sleep for that Mm -hmm. week. It's weird. Yeah. It never happened, but they wouldn't let me in. I, I remember the first day I went back <laughs> at 6 p.m. to go back to jail. They were like, uh, You're not supposed to be here until 10 o'clock. And I really, it was a funny story. I had to use the bathroom, man. I was, I was like, I <laughs> like, really about to shit in my pants. And I was like, Please let me in the jail. You know, please let me in there. And they were like, Dude, like, it says right here on your paperwork that you don't get back in here until 10 p.m. Sorry, homie. And like, the Maricopa <laughs> County Jail Complex is huge. And, and this was a really dire situation. so I had four hours and, and about two minutes to find a bathroom where I was gonna shit my pants and have to spend you know the night in jail with shitty drawers. But I did manage to find a bathroom near on hand that somebody let, was kind enough to let me use in a parking garage.. <laughs> It was an actual yeah. facility. It wasn't behind some yeah. BMW or something. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, I mean, funny story. Like once again, the, the the every every decision that I made, like from that point where I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore, it felt like, especially through the legal process and stuff, and through some of the jail stuff, like it felt like somebody was giving me a break. And I don't know if that was karma or, like I said, the Glendale PD because I was really cool about their officer smashing up the car while I was in it, but. Like it seemed like at every turn during that whole process I got cut one break after the next
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: really did. like um, they gave me after that the week in jail I had to have an ankle monitor on. I was on house arrest for 45 days and it's this little thing and, and it, you have to you know check in with it and, it and it has a little breathalyzer that it would go off you know intermittently to make you blow into it to see if you've been drinking. Well, I had that thing for 45 days, and the fucking thing never made a peep in 45 days. It did not signal. It did not beep. It did not go off one single time while I had it on house arrest. I thought it wasn't even working. you know. But when I took it back, they were just like, yeah, no problem, whatever. And I had people tell me in the – I had to do a little alcohol counseling group, and they're like, man, this fucking ankle monitor thing goes off like every 30 minutes. It goes off at 3 in the morning when I'm dead asleep, and I'm just like – because it could do that. It was a random thing. But mine never went off, not once in 45 wow. days. Like Is that is that not like somebody giving you a break or something? I mean, you know, you gotta wonder, right? Uh, anyway.
1: Some so. might say that that it was a power greater than yourself watching how uh, yes. <laughs> I was
0: waiting for that. I was looking at him too, and I was like, he's gonna drop that HP so hard right now, dude. <laughs>
2: You know, I was so, gonna do
0: it too, though. Actually, yeah, I was like, "Oh,
2: this is a fucking higher power." You know, just because I'm a little bit skeptical of organized religion, like I said, does not mean that I don't believe, you know, the basic tenets of AA. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I have I still have a problem with the whole surrendering thing. But you know, uh, maybe I I don't know, man. I, I can't say.
0: No one can. Right. Say hey.
2: But you know, you you it does make you wonder. It did make me wonder too at the time. Right. And and uh, and once again, that that sort of thinking was was a, a force of change in my life at that point too. So I won't discount it. Uh, like I said, just because I don't, you know, like religion doesn't mean I don't like spirituality or God or the concept right. of either one.
1: So there's there's a there's a book and I've talked about this before by the comedian Pete Holmes called Sex Comedy God. Uh-huh. And he's like he spent some time with like Ram Dass and all this crazy spiritual stuff, you know, like hardcore and one of the things he talks about is God is just a metaphor. And they're like, Well, a metaphor for what? And he says, Well, exactly. We don't know. So we just use this as a metaphor. So, you know, give it a fucking name. Call it, you know, what is it? Jerry calls it the bear it's the sky. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is to fucking, you know. And so, I mean, I, I I don't care what you call it, but you're 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 basically in what I'm hearing is you to be like. And every single step of the way, I kept get, catching a break as long as I made the right choice the next time around. And I'd be like, okay, well, make the right choice here, and the right choice here, and the right choice here. And thank God I didn't have to shit my pants. And try <laughs> if you were drinking, you, you would have shit. You would have shit your pants.
2: Oh yeah, dude. Drinking, oh man. yeah, yeah. It was it was weird, man. Like like I said, uh, the that whole jail experience was just like I, I mean it was it was really it was bizarre like i had and i kept thinking like this can't you know of course me being skeptical i was like nah this can't be a god thing or a <laughs> <laughs> it has to be those it has to be those cool cops that threw away that marijuana brownie and and you know or maybe they passed the word down the line i'm like and then of course you know thinking it over later i'm just like dude how's some patrol dude from glendale city pd gonna influence the guards at maricopa county one of the largest jail complexes in the united states like like they got any fucking say on whether you get out of jail and when you come back like they give a flying fuck about you like it's definitely not them you know Mm -hmm. so i I don't know but it was funny man it really was it was it was strange that whole thing like that wasn't the only experience that i had that, that was just like what's going on here, man? Why are these people being so nice to me? This is jail, you know?
0: <laughs> so do you celebrate with your anniversaries? The yeah. Anniversary? Well, I mean, do you do anything you know, significant or
2: not really? No. I mean, um, I always think about it on that day. Mm-hmm. Like yes. Yeah. This, this last one, February. I mean, it was sort of a big deal. It was like, Oh man, two years. Like that's really cool.
0: You know? It's a long like, stretch, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was, it was very cool. I, I don't, I don't remember if I did any, I don't think I did anything, special. I think, you know, I got some steaks and threw them on the grill for mom, dad, and me and stuff and, you know, gave the cats a little extra steak and it was just kind of, you know, it's, it's sort of like your birthday, you know, you just, you don't. Know, it's, it's just another day, but you're just a little bit, you know, you have a sort of a pep in your step that day, it just yeah, you, it reminds you, you think about it, you know, like two years. Yeah. But, but other than that, you know, it's just another day. There's, there's always stuff, you know, there's you know, just another day, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, so speaking of another day, what are you doing this Saturday?
2: I don't know. Um, nothing really. Like I'll have. I asked mom to make a cherry pie. That's about it, dude.
1: Like, yeah, is,
0: birthday pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget that all you guys, man. It's you. It's John, and then you, and then my little brother, and then yeah. my wife. Yeah. All y'all are in March.
2: Yep. And then Danny yeah. Klein is the same day as me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh,
1: I forgot DK's. Yeah. And Will. Will's birthday is on the seventeenth of March.
2: That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, hey, do you still talk to Will?
1: I, yeah, I've talked to him a couple times. He invited me up. He wanted me to go run a half marathon with him and Tyco in Portland, and I just don't have the money to go do it. I don't have the money to fly up, and, you know, like, so I told him we'd have to plan something for, like, this summer or something like that.
2: That'd be cool. So
1: um,
2: Will's in Portland, or?
1: He lives in Portland, uh, taking care of his, I don't know, taking care of his dad or living close, he wanted to live closer to his father. Uh, yeah, cool. Um. So he's doing something like that, or aunt, or something like that, but he's he's closer to family there. Um, but yeah. Um, so I, I always ask this cause, and this is something that like uh, Jerry and I always talk about basically the whole conversation is like, what are the things we do to fucking stay sober every day? And what are the challenges? And like, do you have like a personal program in your daily life, in your weekly life? Is there, I mean, how do you, I mean, shit is completely different now, right? It is like, <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, although there's a lot of stuff that's the same. And, and I don't know, man, for me, like, a, I don't know, there's life is still life. It it It's really awesome to be sober. And there are things that I do daily, as far as, uh, you know, you, you have, you have like a physical routine that you're in. Um, I, I do too, to a certain extent, you know, other than work. I try to walk, I try to remain, basically, mine's kind of a three thing. It's it's just keeping keeping my body physically in as best shape as I can, which is you know if I'm feeling like if I'm not sleeping or something or it's just like then I'm not you know I'm not getting up and moving around enough other than work. The other thing is like this is just downtime. like I, I have a couple of hobbies like my guitars and some woodworking stuff that like I do it's it's one of those things where I do it whether I want to or not, kind of thing. Like it's it, sometimes I don't feel like doing it, but I do it anyway because it keeps me busy. keeps my mind occupied. And it also, it, just seems to just generally make me feel better about things, even if I don't want to do it at the time. It's kind of the same thing with the physical stuff. Like sometimes I don't want to go get out and go for a walk or go outside and work on my car or do some yard work or something like that. Nobody wants to do that stuff, but you do it anyway. And once you get like halfway through it, you're totally fine with it. And when you're done with it, you feel a hell of a lot better. So and the third thing is just, I mean, it's just – I, I don't the third thing is really just trying to not be negative. you know, I catch myself doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. I still do it all the time, where yeah. I get into this little mm-hmm. funky, funky, negative, Nancy kind of frame of mind. and it's just it's just a conscious effort to not do that. When I'm doing it, I know I'm doing it. when I recognize I'm doing it, it's a conscious like one of the hardest things for me to do is just to like grip my teeth and go, fucking stop doing that like fucking quit being so negative it's not like that bad like and and that's just it man. That, that's the only thing that's really different is just catching myself getting into that negative frame of mind and saying you know literally sometimes it comes down to you know having to physically force myself don't do it like don't just don't do it it's not you know and and it works and it works for the most part and sometimes it doesn't though and sometimes i just you know sometimes i just go to bed and stay in bed for a couple hours or till the next day and then the next day i wake up and it's it's all new and it's and it's fine and and it's okay that i have days like that it's okay to have a bad day you know and i got to cut myself some slack for it every once in a while but but it's not okay to have a bad day like every day just just to have a bad day like and that's what i used to do all the time like, if I wasn't having a bad day, I'd find a reason to have a bad day so I could go have a drink,
1: you know? <laughs> Right? Yeah. I've, dude, I remember. There was plenty of bad fucking days. Be like, Jerry and I would talk. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. Code is kind of fucking grumpy today, dude. I don't know what's up. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> dude, I, and, and you know, like, I, I, I'm still that way. And I try like I said, sometimes it's just a – It's a force of my it's like one of the hardest things I have to do, too, is to bend my will and to stop doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can tell when I'm doing it, too, because, you know, my roommates or my cats will be walking on eggshells around me and just like, oh, okay, now I know why they're doing that. I'm being a dick today. Like, you know, (laughs) stop being a dick. mate. (laughs) That's all it is, man. Just what do you have to be a dick about? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so so you didn't make a whole lot of money this week and, you know, whatever, like, you know, so what?
1: So eh, let's hope it's the worst thing that happens to you, right? I yeah, mean, I,
2: yeah, most definitely. I mean, I don't know. So so yeah, they're, they're, I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of people when they're when they're first getting sober too is that they think that once, once you do a, attain a certain amount of sobriety that things are going to be like this completely different thing. Your whole life is going to change. And that's not necessarily how it happens. I mean it happens gradually sometimes. Like it's just – and the way that the way that my mind works is different, and I realize that now. But I, I didn't notice that change while it was happening, you know. I didn't I didn't wake up every day feeling totally different or anything, and I, and I didn't have this lightning strike of a of a spiritual epiphany at some point either. It was a very gradual sort of thing with me, um, mm-hmm. and and that that way of thinking, the way of changing my thinking, has been a gradual thing. Um, but life is still life. I mean, my you know like we were like you and i have said john uh you know i mean <laughs> what's the aac like you 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 won't be insecure about money anymore and all these. The, the AA oh yeah
0: economic insecurity their... will leave us or whatever yeah
2: yeah i mean there's some of the things about the a promises which i really like and i and i do think are are true and there's some of them where you're like you know, Man, uh, when is that? When is that? You know, <laughs> <which pretty> fucking <laughs> card gonna play here. Like, let's drop that one on old Coda, will? You know. Mm-hmm. But but it, it, life is still life, man, and it's still hard sometimes, and you still feel negative, and and you still have bad days, and and uh, you still wonder, what am I doing? Where am I going? How will I get there? Sort of things. But it's a lot easier. It's just, it's not as earth shattering. It's it's not this, it's not this maw of catastrophe and anxiety waiting to drop, you know, or waiting for you to fall into. It's just like, this is your daily life and these are things that you're going to have to deal with every day for the rest of your life. So the the quicker you find a way to cope with it in the easiest, most stress-free way you can, then the better off you're going to be, you know. And so I try and think about that, of course. But like I said, that that way of thinking, that that's happened gradually and it happened over time. And it happened because, you know, because I stayed sober, number one, but because, you know, I'm thinking about that sort of thing and, and, and uh, and trying to make the right decisions and trying to be sober, you know, Yeah. trying to, be, trying to live differently than I, than I used to. So,
1: yeah. So, no, yeah. man, that's awesome. I just, I love that. Um, you know, the the idea of like, oh, I got to catch myself. Like the negative thoughts don't, don't stop coming. Because I found that too, where it's like I'll I'll get them in the morning and like oh I don't want to do this or I don't want to do this and I'm like who is that? Because that's not me anymore. But it kind it's like that old me that's I'm still trying to like get rid of and push away and like you know like don't listen to that person. I don't know yeah. who that person is in my head, but like just just whatever it is, don't listen to that person. You know it's just it's just another it's just another negative thought. And I'm I get you get better. Like you said, you get better at pushing them away and replacing them. Right. Yeah,
2: for sure. For sure. And, oh. and you do, and you do kind of realize that it is that old, that old nagging voice, you know, I mean, um, I, I had a, I, I had a short time in my life, in my early twenties, where I was into some hard drugs, heroin to, you know, you know, this Jerry knows this, but, and, and I remember when I, when I quit that I did it, you know, a sort of mommy and daddy rehab, I had like three Percocets in a, a puke bucket basically is how I, how I got off heroin. But, and that's a whole nother story. But, um, but I used to have dreams. I remember after I, had you know, kicked heroin, I used to have dreams about, I would have heroin dreams and they were really intense about, you know, about, um, using again, and that feeling and the taste in my mouth and things like that. And they're really powerful dreams and they would, kind of bring back the craving and bring back the this little demon you know and alcohol was kind of the same way although it's a little bit different i find um at first you know sometimes i would have these dreams but and this this happened to me just a couple of nights ago i fell asleep and i had this dream where it was kind of like the old times and and uh, you know we were at the you know at a bar and drinking with friends and things like that but it made me really anxious like I, I kept thinking to myself in the dream like this is wrong this is wrong and I, I i was i was it was more like a nightmare where i was just like oh fuck i'm fucking this all up again like this is not the right thing it wasn't like the pleasant like oh heroin or oh i drink it was like oh fuck like this can't be happening it was such a night it was such a nightmare of a feeling too and i remember waking up and, and thinking to myself wow i'm really glad i had that reaction instead of i'm glad the dream was that i that i felt that way in the dream instead of like oh this is fucking awesome like i didn't feel that way <laughs> yeah. at all like it was scary mm-hmm. you know i mean it scared me in a bad way not in a way like you know the boogeyman's gonna get me but like you know like oh dude i, I just threw this all away you know kind of yeah thing. Mm-hmm. it was such a such a bad feeling to have that the you know to have the drink dream you know yeah um and I don't I, I can't remember where I was going with that, John.
1: Um, well, I, I just I mean appreciate you sharing like the, the dreams and I don't think Jerry you haven't had one in a long time.
0: Not a while. Every time I'd wake up though, I'd like I told John I'd like pat myself down like a bomb went off. <laughs> like I'd be like i f- I'd sit up and be like, fuck you know, not like a nightmare, but I'd wake up and like touch myself and be like, Am I drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I felt the same way. I'd be like, Fuck, <laughs> I'm fucking up I have to do this again like i gotta do this all over again. fuck i don't want to do this all over again this sucks you know but then my body's still doing it and i'd be like yeah it's just so funny i relate so hard when you're like
2: fuck because
0: i have yeah, the exact same feeling so i wake scary. up and pat myself <clears throat> i'd even look at megan and she'd wake up and be like you all right? And right i'm like i'm not drunk am i and she's like no dude,
1: don't <laughs> go to
0: sleep. dude you're not drunk yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah no man, I, I got i, I have such, such a
0: relief days. too it's like oh, yeah like, ah extreme. i don't gotta do all that shit again <laughs> Sorry, John, what were you going
1: to say? No, I'm just going to say is I had I had similar in the first couple of years for sure, too. I I remember thinking I thought I was done with this shit. And then it would just it would keep it would creep back up. And I guess I guess twofold, like either my brain is just kind of telling me my brain, my old brain, my old self is like, hey, remember when we used to do this? This is and then it's yeah. kind of fighting with the new thoughts that are like, we don't do this shit anymore because this is what's going to fucking ruin our lives. And if we're right, you know, it will kill us if we're lucky, because if not, then we will live with the fact that we have to drink again and again and again do it and- over again. Yeah. That's,
2: that's yeah. where I, that's where I was going with it. was that old voice, you know, that that's, that's echoes. Those dreams are like these, these weird little echoes of the, of, of that past self and that, that sort of, you know, that little demon inside. That's kind of that little voice that's still there. You know, I mean, that's where I was going with that. Thank you for
1: bringing yeah. that back. <laughs> um Well, I'm just, I'm fucking grateful that you, I, I'm grateful that you had the accident and I'm grateful that you had the fucking, the, the, that particular moment to bring you back around because I know there were a couple of times, like I remember when I was in trying to invite everybody to my 40th birthday party and, You know, I was sober at the time, and I remember having a phone conversation with you. And you were you were pretty you you sounded pretty intoxicated to me, and you were really upset, and you were sad, and you were kind of crying. You were crying, and you're like, "I can't make it," and all this stuff. And I was like, "It's totally cool, dude. Like, it's all right." And like,
2: yeah, I think I remember that phone call. Yeah,
1: and I just like I didn't I didn't know what to say because. I mean, there were not, there was nothing to say. I couldn't say like, Hey, Coda, it's all right. You just need to get sober. Like that wasn't, that wouldn't have, that would have fallen on deaf ears. ears. Yeah, totally. No. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just glad that, that you, you came upon this, how you did. I mean, I'm sorry that it took what it took, but like. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, knowing myself the way that I do now, I, I don't know if anything short of something sort of catastrophic would have done the trick, to be honest with you. I've just mm-hmm. you know, I come to terms with the fact that I'm just really stubborn and kind of, a, uh, you know, just that's just, you know, things have to be pretty catastrophically bad in order for me to make some kind of major change. That's just me, yeah. unfortunately. Um, you know, it's one of the flaws in my character, I guess, you know, or. Or maybe not, though. I try to turn it around. You know, I try to make that stubbornness work for me on the other side, which is, you mm. know, whenever I think about it. And there have been times, especially at some of the family functions, where, the, you know, people I, – I don't know if you've run into this, and you probably have. You have somebody that's just like – who's like the hardcore drinker who's like – and they find out you're sober. It's like they'll they'll kind of pat you on the back and go, yeah, cool. You don't drink anymore? I'm going to get you a drink. You'll have a drink with me. Yeah. I'll yeah. get you to have a beer with me. It's just like, you know, man, like – I can use that stubbornness to my advantage on the other side where it's like there mm-hmm. isn't anything you could do or anything you could say, Sam, you know, that's going to make me just have a fucking beer with you. Like, you know, get over it, dude. And, and it and it works. I can make it work for me, you know, make mm-hmm. that stubbornness work for me on the other side, which is a great thing, you know. So it's sort of like turning, a, a, you know, a liability into an asset in a way. Or at least that's the way I'm trying to think of it. Um, and, it and it does work. It works it works fantastically well for somebody who's really stubborn you know you just have to use it in the right way
0: right right use your powers for good
2: yeah use it. yeah come come to the come to the light side man stop hanging out with Darth Vader
0: <laughs> I just had I, to uh I just had to fucking give two Mormons the shine right now dude
2: oh yeah what happened yeah, that's
0: why I got up because oh. uh, Megan's doing her taxes right now with her lady and the fucking Mormons came knocking the door and Olive's in the front and she just freaks the <laughs> fuck out because she's like there's two dudes out there and that little yappy dog is just losing his mind and i just opened up the door and i'm all not tonight fellas and just slammed the door shut and locked it <laughs> dude
2: I, I i used to love remember dude when we lived at the silver lace every time the you know the jehovah's or the mormons would come we would plan something special for them.
0: yeah, yeah. dude <laughs> i was telling someone about how cristal would send her son her big old oh, yeah. ass <laughs> son to collect a rent and you'd be like Dude, he's sent a muscle. Like, that dude's big <laughs> as fuck, dude. Like, he yeah, pay he that scary, guy. Dude. he's going to kick our ass, Wagner. And I'm like, all right, we'll get the rent. That's <laughs> why
2: she had that guy, man. That's why she, you know, that's that's why she was such an effective apartment manager was because she had that muscular yeah. redneck son, dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That guy's going
0: to fuck us up, Wagner. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I better go do some tribal back fucking tramp stamps, dude. <laughs>
1: Right, I mean, it's yeah, just, I was
0: just laughing. That's why I got up because I was just like, "Sorry, fellas, not tonight." Just, just
2: go, man.
1: You didn't want to invite him in. Ask their, nah. ask their, no. Or Olive,
0: dude, <laughs> she's like ten years old and is just like not ready to be alone in the living room, apparently. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I, I think, I think that's that's the that's the long and short. That's the long and skinny of it. The short and skinny of it. Yeah. yeah Thanks. Thanks, yeah, we've Yoda. definitely
2: been talking a little bit longer than you guys usually probably do. I'm sure you can you can edit this down, though, if you have to. You know? Nah,
1: it's fine. Dude,
0: no, it's... I always tell him to edit, and he always just runs it flat, even when I say <laughs> dumb shit. He just leaves <laughs> the dumb shit in, dude. <laughs> you
1: funny. know how long it would take for me to like edit out all the dumb shit, and then we yeah, just have exactly. a <laughs> yeah, five-minute podcast? Just yeah, talking yeah. to me saying, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, um... No, it's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing it, and I guess you know the thing that I love is like I'm glad that like Jerry and I are able to commiserate on certain things about our particular programs of sobriety, and but it's always good to hear like how somebody else goes about it, you know? Because yeah. I don't have.
2: Well, I I don't. Uh, yeah, I I feel the same way, guys. I mean, you. I mean, you know, now that I. I don't really go to meetings or anything like you guys are kind of my meeting a little bit like I always feel that way like you know when I when I talk and Jerry I have talked to you in forever dude we really need to start talking more
0: Yeah you should. Uh, I should
2: I I know it's 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 weird you know things the way things go but the, the whole name of the episode here is Keeping in Touch, right, guys? And, <laughs> right. Uh, so, with that that in mind, bearing that in mind, I mean, I, I definitely want to kind of make more of an effort to keep in, in a little better touch, especially with you, Jerry. I haven't, I mean, I, this is the first time I've actually had a conversation with you in like six years, dude. We've, got, no, we've, we've exchanged. Talk,
0: we talked for a while on your birthday last year. Because I was going to bring that up because it made my day, actually. Because I was waiting for the bus and I was like, fuck, it's Coda's birthday. So I called you and we talked for about 10 minutes. You were telling me you had been sober for a year and you were selling guitars on Reverb Nation. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we kind of talked a little bit, and then I hung up the phone last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then I hung up the phone and it like made my day. Like it literally did. I've never had anybody like I'm so fucking jaded. People don't make my day, and like I was in a good mood. Like I was like on the bus, like fuck yeah, Coda's doing really good. It like made my day, dude. I called my dad. I'm like, Coda made my day. Nice. And people don't, I mean, it like, and when I would hear from John in the beginning too, he, I mean, you, you'd make my day too, buddy, buddy. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> okay, <buddy. laughs> I'm not getting jealous over here. It's no, right. but it, it really did, man. And like, yeah, we, we do need to talk. Yeah, definitely talk more. Yeah. It's, but you know, time is weird, man. Yeah, and we all I go know. through these changes and shit happens and.
2: Well, yeah. It's just, you know, growing up and stuff. And I, I don't know, man, it's weird you were just mentioning all of his 10 now.
0: Yeah, she's just ten years, years old. 10. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: Shit, dude, I can't believe that. That's
0: yeah, great. I see you on PS4 playing GTA. <clears throat> yeah dude. you're always <laughs> racing you like race constantly
2: dude i'm i'm i am a racing i'm a racing fanatic on gta I'm, and i'll
0: jump on with you sometimes you'll just be like shooting up somebody and be like get in the car and dude, all that, right
2: that's a, yeah that's the thing though man like I, i've kind of got i really started to focus on the racing like the pvp yeah. stuff the open lobbies dude they're so crazy like and, and i'm not even that big, good man. i just i that's all i do is get smoke with like these 12 year olds dude i just yeah. feel so pathetic when racing, i get on there no. that's yeah the, dude the racing i'll whoop their asses man yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> or else it'll just say Coda 1 in the strip club.
0: Kota <laughs> 1. There was one. I took a screenshot of it. And I said it to John. It's just like Kota 1's GTA 5 in the strip club. I was like, what the It's either looking at the titties or shooting the club up. It's yeah. one of the...
2: no, <laughs> He's just
0: throwing hand grenades in there. Just Oh. But, yeah, my kid's 10, man. She's 10 years God, old. She's in the so, fourth grade. I
2: can't yeah. believe that. That's so crazy to me, Jerry.
0: Yeah. She plays she's the drums. She's
1: got more sobriety she's than really... all of us put together.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's got way more sobriety than me, man. She's got yeah. 10 years sober. Yeah, she plays the drums. She's a good kid, man.
2: Yeah, I was going I was going to ask you too, Jerry, is Joel still here in Phoenix, isn't he? Or... Yeah. Mhm.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's in uh Chandler. Okay. I play games with him all
1: the time. I'll yeah, play... no,
2: I see you guys on there together. You're almost always playing like Tom Clancy's or some shit or. Yeah. Okay. Well, for the Well,
1: um I do wanna, I do wanna wrap it up here oh, for yeah, yeah. Our, yeah, for our listeners. That's okay. No, I mean I. Yeah, it kills the video game talk, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always end up talking about some kind of fucking video game. I'm playing that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn I or see something. That, dude, it's fun. It's what's pretty that, fun. What's
2: that all about? Is it?
1: You're like, you're like, um, you're you're this young, almost like a Viking girl who goes around shooting up robots with a bow and arrow and a magic sword. Yeah. It's yeah. Much. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so awesome, dude. I'm thank you for uh, sharing and keeping in touch. And I think it's important. You know, we talk all the time about like connection and being connected with people and how important it is to sobriety and recovery and shit. And just like checking in, man, and like not getting stuck in your own fucking head and your own fucking world, because that's what we're really good at. (laughs) It really is.
2: I mean, it's important to keep in, in touch when things are going well, um, so that you can so that you can call when your things aren't going well you know yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah because that's that's when it really matters it, it it's really important to have somebody that you can call if you if you are having a bad day you know okay. if, you, if you're having one of those kind of days and it, and it does it makes things a lot easier to get through like it and, and it is important to have a community of people you know that that know what know what's up with you so that when you do call and you're having a bad day that they can you know sort of talk you down and Mm -hmm. and get through it you know because uh and it is it's it's very important it's important to because the other thing being you know it's important to those other people that you're okay too You, you you don't realize that i didn't realize it when i was you know drinking a lot and stuff and you don't realize that the people out there that care about you that care about what happens to you it's really hard on them and so you know it's 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 important to to you know to keep in touch with those people so that they know you're okay. Cause it does them good too. So I, I wouldn't,
1: I w- I would be lying to you if I told you that Jerry and I didn't have conversations about you and be like, is he going to be okay? Or are we going to get a fucking phone call that he's, you know, like yeah, like that, th- that crosses I, your mind. I, I, know I know,
2: and of course, and of course. And once again, I feel like it's because I don't go to the meetings that you're just like that white knuckler. He's not gonna last. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. No, know, no, 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 not not There's now. Problem, but I just meant like drinking.
1: when you were drinking, it would be like, is he gonna <laughs> fucking kill himself? Like, or is how he long in a car I'm accident gonna, or no, yeah. was, is he gonna get
0: and, hurt, fall off a roof or something?
2: That was a legitimate concern. That was
1: like, yeah.
0: But,
2: but no, no I, I, I'm I'm doing. I, I thought you meant nowadays, like I. Oh, no, why know, are you knuckling feeling pretty, it, dude? No, I'm feeling pretty watertight these days, boys. Like I I, I, I gotta say, like as time goes by, the one thing about you know, the cool thing about getting the two years thing is just like, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty much on solid ground with it, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling really good about that aspect of it. The more time you get, the easier it gets, and the more stable mm-hmm. you feel. It's a it's it's really it's pretty sweet actually. I gotta say. Yeah. And it builds so,
1: momentum. Yeah.
2: It does, man. It, 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 yeah, it, it does like kind of like I said about that dream, man. It, it has its own little thing where it's like, oh, dude, I didn't just throw away two fucking years, did I? God damn it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you
1: know,
2: that's the way I feel about it. I'm really protective of it. I was really protective of it when it was new and fresh and stuff. But nowadays, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I definitely, definitely, yeah. you know, feel that. <laughs> pretty but it gets it gets stronger you know as time goes on if you let it and if you do the right things with it so
1: well thank you for sharing man i appreciate yeah, it it's was awesome
2: right. it's it was awesome, awesome to talk to you guys like uh you know feel free to invite me back at any other time or whatever do yeah be-
1: sure I-, I want some code of
0: perspective on shit let's <laughs> do it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah next time you guys definitely have to do more talking I'm, I've, I've i've talked more in the last hour and a half than i have in the last six months so
1: well you know, yeah. thank you <laughs>
2: Now, thank you guys. Awesome.
1: Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com.
0: And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at A's for Alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.